0: Welcome to Tough on Art, the podcast for artists interested in ways to get ahead in today's art market. I'm Jen Tuff, owner of Jen Tuff Gallery and the Artist Alliance community. Join me for some down to earth talk about the best ways for artists to navigate this new and different landscape. And today I'm super excited to be talking to my friend and artist, Tom Owen. I first met Tom in 2017 when he came to my very first gallery location, which was in Vallejo, California on Georgia street. It was a beautiful space. Unfortunately, I had to leave because of all the movie production going on. Um, he was selected to be in a group show I was doing called guilty pleasures, which was a fantastic and fun show. And I met a lot of really good artists. He was also a founding member of an art fair collective. Uh, that I created where artists would join band together and we would have a booth and I would represent their work at art fairs. So he did a lot of art fairs with me over the years. Tom and his husband live in a gorgeous Victorian in northern Kentucky across the Ohio River from Cincinnati. He's an avid art collector. His home is filled with an incredible collection of contemporary art, including a stunning work by another one of my artists, Gina Tuzzi. Tom's work has evolved over the time that I've known him, moving from colorful organic shapes that float on the canvas to more brightly colored, minimalistic geometric shapes and forms that fill the entire space and substrate. His work is inspired by landscape, primarily highly abstracted and distilled down to minimalist forms. His subtle texture and layering mirror his own psychological experiences of the subject, sometimes giving a glimpse into past experiences of his childhood to political realities of current day. And we all know what those are. Tom's media has evolved as well, moving from acrylic to flash, a highly pigmented water-based paint which he applies using squeegees and scraping large forms onto his cradled wood panels. Within these forms are a subtle interplay of color, inviting the viewer to look closer, and the hand of the artist is visible as opposed to many minimalistic works, where the artist's hand is not present at all. It's one of the things that makes his latest series so interesting to me because it really stands out in its boldness, simplicity and and how different it is from a lot of minimalistic works you see. A lot of minimalistic works are so cold and Tom's, you know, Tom's work has this very subtle you know, interplay of color and really sort of draws you in. You can see Tom's work on my website, Gentuff Gallery, and you can also check out his uh, work on Artsy through the gallery. And you can also look at his stuff on his Instagram feed and at his website. And links, of course, will be available in the show notes. So thanks so much for joining me. And I look forward to this conversation and I'll see you guys next week. So hi, Tom Owen. How are you doing?
1: Jen, I'm doing great. Thanks for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to speaking with you.
0: Yeah. So we met a few years ago. You were in one of my group shows, as I recall. That's right. Do you remember the name of it?
1: I do. Guilty Pleasures.
0: Right. And yeah, so that's how we met. And that was what? Probably 2017.
1: I think it was. Yeah.
0: Yes. In the dark Trump days, as I recall. I think we were all sort of like shell-shocked, right? We were. We were. Yeah. But I got to meet you and your husband, and you guys were so nice, and you actually p- purchased a piece. You purchased the Gina piece. Was that that time, or was that another time?
1: No, it was absolutely at that time, because Gina had the solo going on in that smaller back room. And so I we were so taken by her work that we, we did purchase one of her pieces.
0: Yeah, that's Gina Tuzzi, you guys. She's one of my other artists. So so that's how Tom and I met. Now, Tom, you are in, are you in Covington, Kentucky or? Newport. Newport,
1: Newport, Kentucky.
0: You have to get that corrected. But that's still super close to Cincinnati, right?
1: It is. It is right across the Ohio River. In fact, from my house, I can see downtown Cincinnati. I can see the skyline. I can see some of the neighborhoods up on the hills.
0: Right. So I have to ask you this. I actually just asked my husband this this morning on our walk. Do you know it's round on both sides and high in the middle? Because, you know, I'm an Ohio girl, right? So I have to ask everybody who has some connection to Ohio. And so my husband, who was like born and raised in Napa, he had such a hard life. You know, he's like, the only reason I know this is because I'm married to you. So anyway, I had to give you the little test.
1: (laughs) Of course, (laughs) because I was born and raised in Ohio. Yes. So, um,
0: what town again was it? You I was
1: I grew up in Fairfield, which is about 20 miles, 25 miles northwest of downtown Cincinnati.
0: Okay. Uh, okay, so it's still kind of it's still kind of south, but is that kind of close to Athens? Ohio?
1: No, other way.
0: Oh, Athens, We're is way.
1: Athens is east, Fairfield is west. I mean, it really takes from my home mm-hmm. where I grew up, it was literally 20 minutes into downtown Cincinnati.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you basically grew up in Cincinnati, which is cool. It's a cool town. It's so pretty. It is.
1: It is. It's very European. It feels very European when you're here. We have a great symphony and art museum and lots of, lots of opportunities here. So it's a it's a good city.
0: Yeah. A lot of people, you know, put Kentucky and Ohio, you know, like sort of like sort of dismiss them, but there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, Cleveland, too. Like, everyone's sort of, yeah. it's you know, but they have such, you know, just like Cincinnati, they have such an amazing art scene because there's a lot of old money there. So, like, people used to put money in symphonies and ballets and art museums and that conservatory. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, beautiful. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. And, you know, and the, and the the Contemporary Arts Center is an amazing institution that we are so lucky to have in, in Cincinnati. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So tell me about you just retired from your um, corporate gig, right? Yes, I did. Tell me about that. So you were sort of like slogging away in the studio, all sort of in your spare time. Tell me about like the last 10 years of your life.
1: <laughs> wow. The last 10 years of my life. So just
0: sum it up. No. <laughs>
1: sum it up. Uh, well, I, I will say, you know, I, I did paint. I've been painting all my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, for me, it was a great, Way for me to balance my world, quite honestly, because working in corporate america, i was I worked for an insurance company for twenty one years. I led their learning and development function for the entire enterprise. and we have offices had off office, not me anymore, but the company has offices in Western in every state of the union in Canada and in Mexico. and so I was responsible for my team was training all of the folks in all of those different offices, well over you know eight thousand employees. and so, you know, I would paint on the weekends, I would paint in the evenings, because it really truly is my passion. And it's, it's what I've always done from the time I was a small kid. And, you know, I say in my little bio that I, I, you know, took over a part of the garage when I was in high school. Literally, it's true. I put my father out and and created a studio in our garage so that I could paint during high school. And I've always been a painter. And it's something that I've, I looked forward to doing once I retired from the corporate world. You know, and the corporate world, gave me an opportunity, really to to survive and to live and to, and to have money to experiment with my art and to grow as an artist. So, you know, I don't regret any of that. It was it was tough sometimes because I would I'd be painting till ten o'clock every night or eleven o'clock in in the evening and then all day on Saturday, all day on Sunday. Uh, especially in the last five to 10 years, because that's really where my heart and passion were.
0: Yeah. Did you find it hard to go from, you know, working during the day and then coming home and painting, like making that sort of psychological switch? Did you just get used to it? Like, how did you
1: That's, a, that's that? A, that's a great question. You know, there's there's a wonderful quote from Nicholas Wilton, who said that frequency is more important than duration. And I uh, when I didn't feel like going to the studio, I would remember that quote because even if I spent a half hour or just an hour in the evening, then at least I was doing something in in my art. And but it took me a while to get there because I felt like, oh gosh, I only have this limited time, and I put all kinds of pressure on myself to like sort of separate those two worlds and to like be totally focused on art while I was you know here in my studio. And then, but. But over time, I think for me, you know, I was able to, to you know, gosh, if I needed to respond to a, a commission request, I could do that on my lunch hour while I was at work. It was not a big deal. And I was fortunate enough to, to have a flexible boss who and core values at the company about work-life balance so that if I needed to take a day or an afternoon to go visit a gallery or to do a studio visit, I had that flexibility. And so it was really a gift to me, especially in the last 10 years and working in that company. So, you know, in terms of like, could I switch it on and off? No, because I was always thinking about my work, my art rather, not my work at at the company. Yeah, it was hard sometimes, evenings. Sometimes I just wouldn't feel like it. And, you know, and so I didn't beat myself up. I I chose not to do art that night or knowing that, hey, I've got all day Saturday that I can work on X or Y. So um, I I was so excited to retire though and move my... (laughs) <laughs> and move my studio out of my house. I took. I, we live in an old Victorian home, as you know, and I have the third floor here as my studio. And so to move out of that into a much bigger space it, into a studio space that you know has a sink and all those other kinds of amenities that people just sort of take for granted has been a real, I think, a real boon to my art making and the quality of the work that I'm doing today versus what I was doing even just a year ago
0: yes because your work really has evolved really rapidly you know it has
1: and I'm having a great time
0: yeah yeah so I mean now explain to everyone what your what your process is right now I'm sure they're probably looking at some pictures of some of your work but talk about you know because you've switched you you know to kind of paint your process everything is different from what you were doing before
1: yeah. You know, it's funny. I I was, somebody asked me about this the other day and I was like, I can't remember like when, like what turned me on to using flash, which is a high, the most highly pigmented paint you can buy. And it's dead flat. And uh, I love using it. It dries, it's water-based, it dries quickly. You can mix it, you can thin it, you know. There's all kinds of different ways to use this paint. It was originally developed in the 1950s for sign painters, and, and it's permanent and all those kinds of wonderful features. But I love how flat it is, number one, and the fact that I can manipulate it with a variety of tools. So I very seldom use brushes anymore. I used to do a lot of brush work, but now I use, I'm looking around here because I, um, I use squeegees, I use scrapers, I use an edge of a ruler. I use and like I have this large sheet. That's large sheet of plexiglass that I'll use to pull the paint across the the panel. You know, and I used flash on both canvas and gessoed panels, and you get two very different looks and experiences. So if you think about the painting first draft, the orange and white one, Jen, it's it's done on canvas, and then if you look at some of the others, you know, it's it's really done on on these cradled panels which I buy from Ampersand. They're super smooth. They're beautifully finished. So it allows me to, to pull the paint and get lots of variation and layers and textures and visual effects that I really enjoy. And I don't control a lot of it, you know, and I love, I love responding to what's happening as I'm painting versus sort of plotting it all out. It's like, oh, Okay, that's now orange and not blue. And or you know, or that that ran over here and that's good. So so it's it's great. And you can just layer on it. And I don't know, does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I love how you did this switch because I mean I'm always as you know, I'm always harping on artists that, you know, I want them to do something different. And because there's so many abstract expressionist, non-representational painters, you know, who use a brush and they, you know, and they might combine media. But you've really, you know, and you were kind of separate, you know, you were kind of experimenting with that and using that in the beginning when we first met. And then you made this Mm -hmm. pretty radical departure to a much more minimal, you know, minimalist sort of approach using the flash with the, you know, and the squeegee. And I love it. I love, I love all of it. I mean, especially because it's different and it shows your growth as an artist. You know, like you kind of wore, you kind of were tired, like wore out of what you were doing before. Like you were ready to like, sort of take that next step. I love that.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Right. And I, You know, and again, I think I was reading an article somewhere that talked about flash. And I thought, I don't even know what this is. I got to find out about this. And there are a couple of manufacturers of it here in the States. I use actually Lefranc and Bourgeois from Paris. Um, (laughs) I know it is very fancy, (laughs) but there are some distributors of it here in the States, but it is, I think the highest quality flash that you can buy. It is so, and it feels, this is going to sound weird. But it, it's very similar to gouache, but but it feels almost velvety when it's dry. There's a real
0: velvety, even in the it, photos. It's
1: it's so it's so soft, and I, and I love that about it. People are like, "Can I touch it?" I'm like, "Sure, I'll touch it. Go ahead, it's fine." Yeah. And they're like, "Ooh, it's so interesting." So
0: yeah, it kind yeah. of has the same sort of visual qualities of encaustic in a way. You know,
1: it does. It does. You know, I used to work in encaustic many years ago, and I, and I loved it. And and it's different in that, I mean, with encaustic, yeah, it, it ends up being flat. I always would polish my encaustics up so they had a sheen to them, and then they would eventually cloud over again. But um, it's it's much thinner, and it's not as, I don't know, it's really, really super smooth. So with encaustic, you always had some feeling of texture. I yeah. think this is very different.
0: yeah. So I can totally see that fitting into your aesthetic style for sure. When I started seeing all this new work, I was so excited. And I was like, it was sort of like when I started seeing it, I was, you know, the first time I was like, oh, he's found his niche. He's found his, he's found his way. Like, I feel you know, like was, that. Yeah. I, and, you know, when I, you had sent me pictures of when you installed Gina Tuzi's painting, cause you know, the painting you bought is one of my favorite ones that she ever did. And I saw your house. And I was like, Oh my God. I mean, okay, you guys. So Tom has one of the most awesome art collections ever. Like just you guys have such a, just amazing house. There's no, it's so creative and colorful and it's not stuffy. And next time I'm in the Midwest, I'm going to be stopping by. We're going to have a cocktail.
1: You are always welcome here, I'll tell you. But, you know, I think it's important to live with art. I mean, I we collect the art of the artists that we love. And and I love being surrounded by that work. It inspires me every day.
0: Yeah. And the colors. I mean, everything, everything that you guys have is so brightly colored and but not like you know yucky pastel kind of thing right it's just it's not garish yeah it's strong and it's oh i just love it and so tom's house is what when was it built like 18
1: 1894
0: <gasps> Ugh, love absolutely love so in new mexico there's like none of those kinds of places <sighs> here right like it would probably be like they'd last you know like what like a a few years you know you just everything is just so destroyed here by the sun it's interesting yeah but yeah it's definitely one thing i miss about the midwest is all the victorians
1: Mm -hmm. it's a and we live in a great little neighborhood and it's very walkable and we walk to lots of restaurants and bars and when we could do that
0: So is Kentucky like along the river, like along the Ohio River? Is that mostly where, like in the bigger towns, is that where it's like more liberal? Because it's hard to think Kentucky without thinking of you know who,
1: who shall remain
0: unmentioned. (laughs) That's
1: right. (laughs) You know that's that's a great question. So you know, right across the Ohio River, there are you know really sort of there's Kentucky, Newport, Bellevue are are some of the small little river towns, And, and and in fact, a lot of river captains lived here before the turn of the century, uh, before the turn of the, the 20th century. And that's where some of these large Victorian homes sort of were initially built. But it's this sort of strip right along the river that is truly much more progressive. And whenever there's an election and you look at the returns, it's always this particular county, a couple of counties right here along the river that always come in blue. And and then there's one or two sort of in central Kentucky near the Capitol or near University of Kentucky and Louisville that come in blue. Everything else is not blue.
0: Yes, very red. I know. And, yeah. you know, people on the West Coast, they think like, oh, my God, Kentucky. Like, you know, they get a little like, you know, they get that sort of look, you know, like. this. That's right. Yes. And they don't understand. I mean, when I first moved to Los Angeles in 93 um, or 92, um, you know, people, they knew I was from Ohio. So they said, oh, did you grow up on a farm? It's like, no, actually my dad was a physicist,
1: <laughs> <Like>
0: <laughs> right. not, um, not yeah. a farm. So yeah, there's a lot of misunderstanding. But I think, you know, the internet definitely has helped with, with that. Yeah. Like sort of people understand a little bit more about, about that. So let's talk more about like your, did you go to school for for art or any kind of creative thing or were you more in business or what was that about?
1: That, that's uh, that's a great question. So, you know, I did win two scholarships out of high school to one to the art academy and, and one to a, a smaller uh, commercial arts school. And I I opted not to pursue either of those because, you know, when you're 18, you know truly what's best for you, right? And so I I made some other decisions and I, I did not go to school uh, for art. So I'm, you know, I'm mostly self-taught. I've taken workshops and, you know, seminars and things like that along the way. But, you know, I studied um, theology and English literature. So so my undergrad is in English literature, and with a minor in philosophy and theology. And then, you know, I taught high school for a number of years before I got into business. And so, I was actually a religion teacher in in two different Catholic high schools on the Ohio, in Ohio. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and and so and, and you know, I I did that for gosh, I'm going to say twelve years, thirteen years, maybe. And, you know, one of the things I always used to tell my students is you need to try new things, you need to, to reach, you need to grow, you need to learn. I taught mostly seniors. And so it was easier to to sort of share that message with with high school seniors, right? And to take risks and, and but to be safe and all those kinds of things. And and I knew I had been at the one high school for almost 10 years. And I thought, you know, I was department chair. I was super involved in lots of different things. I knew every parent there was. And I thought, boy do I want to do this when I'm 55 and when I'm 65 and I thought no I don't and so so I st- sort of took a step back and said okay what skills do I have that are transferable and so I really started looking out in business to see hey can I transition some of my my teaching skills you know into a more lucrative way of life and so Ultimately, I started working for a pharmaceutical research company, a Canadian company, as a trainer in their Cincinnati Clinical Research Center. And so I, I got a couple of promotions and were with them for five years before I then joined the world of insurance.
0: Uh-huh. Um, wow. Yeah. So went to Art Academy of Cincinnati?
1: Yeah. Did so we have this
0: discussion? So we could have been like maybe in the same foundation, because I went there.
1: I know. I, I know. went there for
0: like a minute. I think I was smoking too much <laughs> pot and like, just kind of, then I, then I went to Colorado to be a ski bum. So Same. this, okay. So this was 85. 86
1: so years. I'm, I'm a little older than you. <laughs> so okay. this would have been, it. this would have been in 78.
0: Okay. So not that far off.
1: Not that far that off. Right. Yeah. So,
0: but you, you, but yeah. you know, you did the right thing because there's no money in art. Like, <laughs> you know, now, right. Like you, unless you have a trust fund,
1: that's right. It's really well, you know. Jen, I, I read an article. This has been probably maybe a couple of years ago now, that talked about the economics of art and going to art school and and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And um it's and I'm gonna get the percentage wrong, but out of every art school sort of graduate, they were saying that, you know, it's less than three percent. Mm -hmm. Um, that actually can make a living and make a living doing the kind of art that they want to do and love to do. And everybody else ends up doing something else. And I thought, okay, so maybe I did make the right choice, you know, because I've been able to, to practice my art and do painting and create while I've had these other jobs, you know, it's not, hasn't, like I said before, hasn't always been easy, but it's been, it's been a good experience. I have no regrets.
0: You have so much um, experience, like business experience, which a lot of artists don't, you know, if they haven't taken that path and half of art is business. It really is, right? It is. Like marketing, communication, promoting yourself, you know, I mean, you've got the writing skills, you've got the business skills. I mean, that's huge. It's
1: huge. It, I, I do, you know, I do feel like that that's been a real um, bonus for me to, yeah. to have had that experience. <laughs> You know, I, it's like, I have, no, I, when I get a request for a commission, you know, I know how to talk to those folks. I know how to, you know, go into their home and look at it and, and have a conversation about what do they want to achieve and why are they, you know, all of those things that I had to do as a business person, you know, so it's, it's worked out really well for me.
0: And the, I think the business side, your business side has really allowed you to explore new things like, you know, joining the collectives, like you were part of my collective, you know, just exploring, just really putting yourself out there instead of just sort of sitting back and waiting to be discovered, which is, you know, something that art school perpetuates, like, oh, you just have to make amazing art, and that's all you have to do. And, and somebody gonna will find home. you. Yeah, right. someone's going to find you magically, and then, like, everything's <laughs> solved, all your problems, or, you know. It's, it's, you know, you were very proactive and very, very business oriented with your, with your career. And I think that's extremely positive, you know?
1: It was, I you know, Jen, that's it's, it wasn't easy because, you know, like any artist, yeah. you know, you put your heart and soul into yeah. the work that you create and then to put it out there and have somebody judge it and say, oh, no, that's not right for my gallery or that's not right for, you know, the show or. Whatever, but I think where business helped me. Okay, that's one person's opinion. There are other opinions out there, and you know there there will be somebody that likes and appreciates what I'm doing, and I just need to find the right person uh, or the right you know group of people. And hey, thank you for your time, Mm -hmm. and I move on. I never want to burn a bridge. And something I learned in business, you know. And the other thing I think that's helped me is to understand that most gallerists, business people and that you know what they don't have a lot of time to waste they're looking to make money for themselves but also for you know providing art for their clients and that has always helped me when I approach a gallery or when I'm interacting with somebody like you or a, a, another gallery owner and because I know I know you're running a business and and I get that that's this okay this is not I know sorry I'm y'all for
0: my health <laughs> right <laughs> right not.
1: not i know but it's good it's like I, you know i i try not to be high maintenance and because i know there are high maintenance artists sometimes
0: no not at all
1: so um <laughs> i try to have things you know on time and the way somebody wants them but
0: yeah um, no you're great okay so speaking of great tell me about your dogs because they're so, so adorable.
1: So they're actually not up here right now because we live next door to a little park and yeah. there were children playing in the park. And Fanny, who is a Dandy Denmont Terrier, decided she had to comment nonstop on the kids <laughs> playing in the park. I'm saying, like, not while we're doing this podcast. So she is four years old. And if you don't know what a Dandy Denmont Terrier looks like, do a quick search because they are the funniest looking dogs in the world. And we love the Fanster. She has personality plus and but she's she's very long body but a big poofy head. So I wish she were here now and I'd pick her up so you could see her. And then and then we have Mavis and Mavis is a gosh, she's what now, 12 or 13 Norwich terrier. So if you if you ever saw the movie Best in Show, and you think about the little dog Winky that wins that wins the dog show, that's a Norwich Terrier. And Mavis has personality plus and an attitude to go with it. She's very much her own woman and will tell you when she wants something, how she wants something, and and if you don't meet her expectations, she lets you know that too. So they're both sweet dogs and we're very lucky to have them. They get along okay. Fanny tolerates Mavis. Mavis, I should say, tolerates Fanny, because Fanny just wants to play.
0: Yeah, she's younger, so she's all, she is. She's all about that. But two right. of the greatest dog names ever, Fanny and Mavis. Mm-hmm. Mavis. <laughs> and
1: before we had Fanny, we had Blanche. Blanche? Uh,
0: oh, I think I remember. You
1: should, yeah. Blanche was yeah. a West Highland White Terrier we rescued from. Uh, she was a, She was used as a breeder mm-hmm. in a puppy mill. Oh, God. And so we saved her from that horrible life. Um, yeah. Oh. And so she was a great dog. She was probably the best dog we've ever had. Sweet as can be. So,
0: so tell me about your goals for art. What do you, what do you, I know that's kind of a big question. Just tell me about like where you kind of want to go and, and what, you know, is it multiple galleries across the country? Are you trying to get more galleries? Are you trying to like, what, just, just talk about that a little bit. Like what yeah, thought.
1: you know that's a that's a really good question. And as a business person, I would have annual goals and objectives and See, set this, this for my team. Good. I know, and and it's funny because I we're getting ready to go on vacation, and I and I said to to Neil, my husband, I said, you know, I want to take some time while I'm lying on the beach and jot down what I want to achieve in 2021 in my art practice. Who love
0: this? I'm all about goals.
1: So I have, you know, I don't I don't have them completely formulated because what I find is I need space to do that, to really sort of think about where where do I want to head? You know, I've got I'd, I'd love to have more more work in galleries. I'd love to sell more. You know, it's funny. I enjoy commissions. I know some artists really don't. They struggle with that a little bit. And I get that. I'm not afraid to walk away from a commission. I've done it a handful of times. You know, I sort of have a process that I use with clients. And and if we can't come to an agreement, then I I'd say, you know what, I am not the artist for you. Here's a list of other people that you might want to con- connect with. But I, I can't produce what you're asking me to produce because I don't do reproductions and I'm not going to not be true to myself and, and my, my vision. So and if, it, if those two things don't meet, then I, I'm and it's funny. Those people that I've said, hey, OK, you know what, let's part ways. They still follow me on Instagram. They still, you know, send me Christmas cards, all of those kinds of things because yeah, we yeah. left that relationship in a good way.
0: Yeah, because it uh, probably would have gone south rapidly if it, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, in terms of goals, I, you know, I, I would like to, I'd like to be in a few more galleries. I want to be really selective about that. You know, I have, you know, where I find that my work does really well are on the coast, West Coast. Mm-hmm. And East Coast, I, th- I think, you know, probably I've had some success in Florida and in California. You know, I'd like to sort of break into the Charleston region a little bit. I think there's some opportunity for me there. Yeah. Like I said, my plan is to take, you know, some time over the next several weeks and really kind of flesh out those goals. And here's the thing about goal setting, Jen, is I never do more than three big ones. Because the reality is, if you do more than three, you're never going to get them achieved. Because you're too pulled in lots of different directions If well, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this workshop and, you know, teach this. And then you're not spending your time on your practice. And so um, I try to limit it to three to four sort of big goals for me. What do I want to, you know, whether it's, you know what, I want to expand my studio. That could be a goal you know, I want to, you know, break into this particular market. So how am I going to target different galleries? That sort of thing.
0: Are you a um, database person?
1: You know, I'm, I'm not. I know. I, I keep thinking, I got to find a better system. I know. I know. It's, I mean, I have, I use my computer a lot and I have lots of files, but you know, Excel was never or access. I never had to use those tools. And so I don't think I'm very skilled at it. And I end up getting frustrated. And so I just go back to creating the table and word. I mean, I have all my own created spreadsheets and things like that. But it's um, what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say, Hey, wait a minute. You're like the business organized person. I can
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't just like do this on the fly. And remember, I think
0: a lot of artists do, you know what I mean? Like, I think, especially when you're talking about goals, you know, they, they're like, oh yeah, well, I'd kind of like this. And it's like, well, then how do you, what steps are you going to take to get that? What's your process? That's right. And I think that it's, it's really easy to, you know, to sort of overlook that. And I think, you know, I know with Excel for me, I was like, there's no effing way I'm going to learn Excel because then someone's going to ask me to do it. And right you know, and I, there was no way. So I think there's a real aversion to that, but, you know, those tools are helpful when it comes to like approaching galleries. and
1: uh, Absolutely. And I will tell you, Jen, okay, I'm going to get all businessy now. So I, <laughs> I used to teach a program to executives called the four disciplines of execution. And, and it's, it's actually some work done by Covey did some of this work and Larry Bossidy did some of this work Mm -hmm. and and how do you execute on you know these wildly important goals and and I still use those those tools and those processes in my in my practice today Mm -hmm. and so you know it's about having a scorecard it's about and once you get it sort of you know it's about okay let's settle on the three most important goals and what steps you're going to take and what's your vision to get there. And, and so on, how are you writing that down and how are you keeping score and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels like, a, it feels like some work at the beginning, but then once you get it, Oh yeah, my God,
0: totally. then you can't live without it.
1: You can't live without it. So I'm i I'm a huge,
0: process. yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm a huge fan of uh, of the four disciplines of
0: execution. Yeah. Well, I think your business sense has really, really helped in, you know, in really advancing your career really rapidly because, you know, I mean, just three or four years ago, I don't think, you know, you were with a gallery and now you've got like three, right?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, sure. it's well, you know, I, so ABC Fine Art in Cincinnati has been showing my work for, gosh, since, well, probably for the last eight to ten years but not very I mean not a lot and and you know I've been very fortunate to to have been with them and then there have been some smaller galleries along the way that have had you know I've been with them for a year or a couple of years and then you know owners change and they change their focus and things like that and you know and and then there's a COVID thing right but so yeah um so I'm with well Gentuff Gallery. And there is, you know, art design consultants. I'm with Palette Home and Paint in Richmond, Virginia. And there was the Greenwich House Gallery here in Cincinnati, but they've since closed. So, yeah. But, you know, so yeah, I've, you know, I've had a, a really, I've been really fortunate to have that kind of gallery experience and working with, you know, gallery owners, gallerists, and also, you know meeting and working with other artists who show in those galleries and i think one of the most important things if somebody is trying to get into a gallery is you know go where your work is similar because that's what the that's what the gallery wants to show not that it has to be identical but like if you're a realistic landscape painter don't don't try to get into a gallery that's focused solely on abstraction i mean it doesn't work
0: and then, uh, just try to get to know the owner and just try to you know just you have to it's all about connecting with people,
1: well, you know, Jen, you talk about what I learned in business, it comes down to relationships,
0: mhm, yep, you it know,
1: and I really think that that's true,
0: yeah, so yeah, it totally is it totally because you know I mean, I love your work, but if i didn't if I hadn't known you before, I don't think I would have you know i mean you have to have that relationship to know like. Right. Hey, is this going to work? Do I want to work with this person? Do I want to? Yeah. And that's where the database comes in handy because then, you know, like you've got 50 galleries, maybe on the list that you're hitting up, keep track of, you know, if they didn't respond, if you're going to put, you know, take them off the list, whatever, like, you know, I, I, I don't know any other way to do it, but.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I, it's funny you say that because I just was it yesterday, today, sent out my book holiday, happy holidays, MailChimp. But so I sent out the I sent out this holiday greeting and and I include not only people who've purchased work, but who have shown an interest in my work, even if they've never purchased anything, people who've you know I've done commissions for, as well as a number of galleries with whom I've had contact over the years. And you know, just today I had two of them. So it went out this morning. I had two of them respond saying, oh, my gosh, it's great to hear from you. I love this piece you put in your, in your you know email. Hope you're doing well. You know what? I'm going to go back and take a look at your website again.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: So, you know, and that points to the importance of having an updated website too, right? So, yes. which I could do better at.
0: No, but, I think your website's really good. I think, I think you're you're just, you know, you're, you're knocking it out of the park.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: So tell me where you're finding your creativity these days. Where is Where are you drawing inspiration from?
1: Yeah, that's a, you know, it, that's a hard question, but I, I will tell you, I, I'm super, well, so I'm inspired by, um, I was an English major, so, and I still read, and I still read poetry, and I still love literature, so I read I read poetry. I'm inspired by that. You know, I'm inspired by sort of my the landscapes around me. And so I really i tr- i try to look abstractly at m- my world, and that's where that's where a lot of my work comes from today. When I think about some of the the pieces that are, you know, that I'm doing today, it, it's really inspired by sort of some of the lines and the shapes that I see around me. That I i i love to travel, and that always. Gosh, fills me up with lots of, of ideas. I come back with hundreds of photographs on my iPhone. And, and oftentimes it might be just color combinations or, you know, well, here's an odd shape where these two colors came together. And, you know, I couldn't tell you if it was a side of a house in a doorway or whatever the case may be, because I'm really inspired by by that. Especially using Flash because you can do all kinds of crazy wild things with color with Flash. So does that answer the question? It's it's literature. It's the world around me. I don't know. I know some people are inspired by music. That doesn't always get me going. But
0: um, so where are you guys going next? Because you were just in. Were you just in Mexico City? Am I remember? We
1: were in Mexico City. It, it. it was wonderful. It was just a wonderful experience. And so we are actually this week we are headed to Anguilla, and we just got all of our. And again, another CoVID test, which we're all negative, which is great. And then it's crazy because you have to fly into St. Martin and then you have to take a boat from St. Martin over to Anguilla. And so we have to be we have to be tested when we land in St. Martin. and then again in Anguilla. So lots of lots of CoVID tests to come in the next few days. But so in this vacation is really what we kind of call our do nothing vacation yeah. because we we will go and we'll read and we'll relax. I'll work on my goals. We'll have some nice dinners. Uh, and that's sort of just recharge. And Anguilla is, it's not very touristy. There are, there are no chains there. Most people rent condos or uh, homes. And so anyway, so that's coming up. And then in the spring, we are right now, fingers crossed, we are headed to Paris for four days and then from Paris on to Morocco for 10 days Oh and, my then, God. and then back to Paris for three days after that.
0: Okay, so, so the stuff you're gonna, the pictures are gonna take in Morocco. I can't even imagine. I,
1: I, I'm so excited. Right? <laughs> I know. Right? I know.
0: That's on my bucket list. I've been to Tunisia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I've never been to Morocco. That's definitely on my on my bucket list. Ugh.
1: So, so That's we're hoping. We're hoping. We also have a. We also have a, a trip tentatively planned for Greece in there, but next year. But we'll see. Nice. I know. Because Neil retires in April
0: oh, of no.
1: this year. Yeah. This coming year. So, you guys
0: are going to be like never at home.
1: Right. I'll be in the studio or we'll be traveling. One of the yeah. two.
0: Oh, it sounds so wonderful. I'm so happy that everything's like really working out for you. And, you know, it's just so good to see, you know. Oh, well, thank you. Jen. Yeah. It works beautiful. And like, if you guys don't know Tom's work, you can go to my website or you can go to Tom's website. What is your website? Tom?
1: My website is tomowenfineart.com.
0: Okay. Tom Owen Fine Art. And then what are you on Instagram?
1: I am Owen underscore artist.
0: Awesome. Okay. And there's no S on, o- on Owen. It's not Owens. It's just o-
1: no S. Thank you
0: all right so tom it was so good to see you we're on zoom right now so we can see each other and thank you for spending some time with me you really oh you're
1: you're so welcome i've enjoyed this it's been great to catch up with you jan so let's stay in touch
0: okay great tell neil i said hi and maybe i will and (laughs) fanny fanny that's right okay thank you all right
1: Thanks, Tom. Hey, you're welcome. Um, We'll talk soon.
0: Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Your support means everything. If you'd like to learn more about the Artist Alliance community, send me a question or learn about other events or projects coming up. Please visit my website at www.gentuff.gallery. See you next time.